Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Nothing can keep you in the valley of defeat but yourself. No mother, no father, no aunt, no uncle, no experience can keep you down if you're willing to climb out of defeat. Your victory is not tied to the success or failure of somebody else. You don't have to fail just because someone you admired or looked up to or followed failed. I've seen entire churches go under because they focused upon the man of God instead of the God of the man. Oh, there have been occasions when God just miraculously just blesses you with something that you don't even seem to have to put any effort into. But most of the time, for God to get you where He needs you to be in order for the victory to take place in your life, you've got to climb a little mountain. You got to put one hand in front of the other. You got to use your strength and your might. And you got to be willing to come up out of that place that you're in because your victory will never be found hiding in the valley with the crowd. Look at ourselves, and we consider ourselves as insignificant and small and of immaterial. But the word of the Lord declares to me that the people that are living in the day and hour that we're living in are going to do mighty things. Yeah. Amen. That our best days are not behind us, but the church of the living God that is going to go up in the rapture will be one of power and will yeah. be one of might. We are not grasshoppers today, but we are mighty children of God. Mighty children of God. Lest we forget it, sometimes we need to be reminded just who we are in Him. On my own, I'm merely flesh and blood. But when I hit my knees and I began to call on the Almighty God who put everything together. Amen. He created everything that is and was and ever shall be. I am tapped into an unlimited power source that goes way beyond my own capabilities as a human being. And my finiteness turns into infinity. Praise God. 1 Samuel chapter 14 verse 6. Telling of the story of a man by the name of Jonathan. Jonathan is the king's son. Saul, the first king of Israel. Voted in, appointed by Samuel. Chosen. They wanted to be like other nations. And so God said, fine, that's what you want, that's what you get. So they got Saul and everything started out real good with Saul. Saul was a humble man. He was a good man. He was a godly man. But somewhere along the the line, Saul fell off the way. Saul got wrapped up in his own power and his own prestige. And he began to seek after things that were not godly. And he began to get his advice from places that were not godly. But he had a son whose name was Jonathan. And Jonathan was best friends to another soon-to-be king named David. He was simply a shepherd's boy at this time. But there was a friendship that had developed there. David's not really a part of this story. But you'll find in this story that I'm about ready to account to you this morning. Where Saul is now backslidden. He's no longer serving God. Oh, he's got on the outskirts the appearances of certain things. He still communicates with the prophet Samuel. But Samuel's very upset with him. As a matter of fact, Saul has led his men into a terrible place. 
and he's there and they're licking their wounds because they've been defeated, they've been beaten, they're broken down. They're without any kind of weaponry except for a couple swords that Saul and Jonathan had and the rest of them, I don't know what they were fighting with. Maybe pitchforks and who knows? I don't know what they had. Doesn't tell us what they had, but it basically lets us to know that the only two swords out of 600 men was owned by Jonathan and Saul. Jonathan is there with his father. He's there with the 600 other men that have followed his father into this battlefield. And they're scared half to death because they've been beaten. Jonathan sat around long enough and that brings us to this place where Jonathan said, I've had enough. I've had enough of sitting here with a bunch of losers. I've had enough of following a man that's lost the anointing. I've had enough of sitting here wondering if we're going to live or die. I am going to see what God will do. And in verse number six, he says to the young man that bear his armor, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. He says, I don't know what God's going to do. This is what he says to his armor bearer. I don't know if God will come through or not. Maybe God will just give us the miracle that we're looking for. But I'm tired of sitting here doing nothing. And he says this. He makes this statement of faith. He says, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. In other words, Jonathan says, I don't know if he will or not, but I know he can And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I'm with thee according to thy heart. Every pastor, every not just pastor, every person needs a friend like this in your life. Hey, if you're a man of God and you and you're doing something that you feel like that God has asked you to do, you go to it. If God has told you to do it, don't you have to worry about me coming up and, and cutting you down at the knees. If God told you to do it, I'm going to be right there with you. Whatever he tells you to do, count me in. That's what his armor bearer said. He said, whatever you're thinking, whatever's in your heart, I'm with thee. Then said Jonathan, behold, we'll pass over unto these men and we'll discover ourselves unto them. And if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we'll stand in our place and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come on up here, then we will go up for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand and this shall be a sign unto us. He's not going off just half cocked saying, you know what, I'm just going to do it whether God's in it or not. He says, I want to know that the Lord is with us. There's nothing wrong with, with, with asking God to give you a little bit of a sign of something, if, especially if it's not in his word and you don't know exactly. It's okay for you to say, God, are you going to bless this or not? It's okay to step back and say, God, are you in this or not? And if you don't hear from God, you better stay where you're at. But if you do hear from God, don't let anything delay you from heading up the side of the mountain. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. (coughs) And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come on up to us. We're going to show you a thing. They were talking smack is what they were doing. Come on up here, boy. Come on up here, Jonathan. We know who you are. You think that you're the, 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 the children of the Almighty God? Come on up here. We'll show you whose God is really boss. We'll show you that we can handle you. 
And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, follow me. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. He said, follow me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And I want you to key in on this next verse. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. I've come to preach to somebody for just a little while this morning. If you feel like you're sitting in a place of defeat today, if you fought the same old battle over and over again, maybe you've been following some people and they've let you down. Maybe you're in a place where you feel defeated. Today, you've come to this service and the Lord has told me to tell you it's time for you to climb on up out of defeat for today. Victory is well within your grasp if you will sit Simply obey the word of the Lord. I just want to preach climbing out of defeat. You may be seated today. Now, I'm not a sore loser. I know what it is to lose. I don't like to lose, though. Is anybody in here enjoy losing? Yay, I lost, you know. You're sitting down at the Super Bowl and, and, and your team loses and you get up and, and shout a defeat dance. There's no such thing as a defeat dance. There's only victory dances. Amen. We don't like to lose. It's a part of our human nature. We like to win. We like to be victorious. And, and I don't like to lose. I never have liked to lose. And, and as a kid, uh, the, the funny thing about it is, is I did a lot of losing. I wasn't a very big kid. I was never the biggest in the neighborhood. I never uh, was the strongest in the neighborhood. I was never the fastest in the neighborhood. I was simply the best looking in the neighborhood. <laughs> I was hoping you'd laugh. <laughs> of course, I'm being silly. No comments from the peanut gallery out there. I watched as others won. I had the fortunate uh, circumstances of life. I have a best friend who was very athletic. And uh, Ronnie was always, he, he was just built, uh, you know, strong. He was fast. He was a little bit older than me, you know. Uh, we'd go out in the sunshine and his, his skin would turn a bronze color and I would just turn red and peel, you know. Ronnie had the cool hair that I tried to, to, to get my mom to, to, uh, to mimic his haircut. And, and his always looked cool on him. Mine looked like you put a bowl over my head and trimmed around the bowl. And that's, that's what I got out of it. And, and I, I could just never quite measure up. If we were in a race, Ronnie would always beat me. If we were pole vaulting, Ronnie would always go a little bit higher than me. If we were out wrestling, Ronnie always could pin me. Uh, so I got lost a lot as far as being a kid went, but, but I never gave up. I watched as all my friends brought home medals. Amen. I watched as they ran the races and, and they would be at the finish line when I'd come huffing and puffing across the last line. You know, I would finish, but I'd be right back there the next time letting them beat me again. I was good for their ego. I made my friends look better than they actually were. Now, I don't want you for a moment to think that I begrudged them of their moment of glory. I was never that 
that kid that went around, oh, I lost, you know, or threw the Monopoly game, you know, across the room or, you know, punched my cousin in the nose, uh, you know, because he won. I never, I never was the bad loser. I was never that kind of a kid. You know, I, I could handle losing. Uh, I didn't throw tantrums and I didn't sulk. I just wanted to know what it felt like to win every once in a while. I know that in today's society, we've come to a place where we don't want anybody's feelings to get hurt. Feelings matter more than reality. I may make some of you mad. I hope I don't. I, I, that's my, my intention. But I got a feeling that most of you feel the same way that I feel. You know, we've gotten to the place where we hand out prizes to people that don't even deserve prizes. They get goals and medals and trophies just for showing up at something. And we teach kids how to play ball, but we don't want to keep score anymore. You know, we don't want anybody to feel bad when they walk away. They might not come back and play ball anymore. And we don't count strikes anymore. And we don't call them out. If they just bunt it, we let them run all the way around the bases till they make it all the way back to home plate. And we clap their hands like they did something great. And they walk away thinking, and there's some kind of the next uh, superstar uh, for the Major League Baseball when in reality, they can't even do nothing out there on the field. We're teaching losers to feel like winners. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I was very inspired the other day. It felt great. I was in a conversation with uh, Tomas Pacheco, as a matter of fact, and you know, the boys play a little t-ball, and, and is this the second or third year? Is this, a, this is the third year. Well, uh, Tomas, they, you know, uh, Blaine, he's out there playing ball. Blaine's, Blaine's got a good He can hit that ball, man. He can smack it. And, and uh, I watched a few games of his uh, in the last couple of years, and, and it's pretty impressive, you know, watching this little four- and five-year-old kid get out there and, and whack that ball. And, and so Tomas was at the game, and he was helping out a lot of different times, and they'd have him help coach. Well, this year they asked him, hey, would you mind coaching one of the teams? He's like, oh, I don't know, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that, you know. And so they called him and they asked him again, and they just kind of kept on asking him. And he said, okay, here's the deal. He wasn't real impressed with the way everything was run. There's a little competitive nature in, in this man, in case, you, in case you don't know it. And he said, if I coach, if you, if you want me to coach, I'm going to coach it in a way where I teach the boys how to play. I'm going to tell them, you know, show them how to hit the ball. They're going to learn the fundamentals, and we're going to try to win. I don't want to lose. And then he, he named out another team that he'd really like to beat, you know. <laughs> it's another competitive team. And I thought, you know what? If my wife and I had another kid... No, this is not me breaking any special news or anything like that. But if we had another kid, I'd want him to coach my kid. Because I want my kid to understand and be able to deal with the fact that sometimes you don't always win. But when you do lose, you don't, be, you don't treat it like you won. You treat it as a learning experience to get better. If you treat a loser like he's a winner, what's to ever make him want to be anything more than a loser? It's easy to lose. Anybody can lose. I can lose. You don't have to be great to lose. Man, when I was a kid, back in my day, 
<laughs> Back in my day, when I was a kid, man, in my neighborhood, I, I grew up in a neighborhood full of boys, and we had just a handful of girls, and the girls stayed away from the boys because we were, we were boys' boys. I mean, it was rough and tumble, kicking and screaming. I mean, all of our parents knew each other, so if somebody come home with a black eye or a busted, uh, busted lip or knocked out tooth and told mommy, you know, hey, so-and-so, you know, Carl busted my tooth out. He was like, well, go bust his out. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> go get him. And, and at the end of the day, we all loved each other. I mean, it was a neighborhood. It was that old family type neighborhood. There was no pickup games with the Robinsons and the Fergusons and the McQuarries and the Edies and, and all these other kids that, that grew up in, in that neighborhood where we, I can never remember one single time where I ever struck out and the guy said, hey, that's okay. That's all right. You, it's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, uh, we're not counting the score anyway. That's not the way it worked in my neighborhood. It was like, man, next time you're off my team. You go play with the girls. Well, the girls could play better than I could. I mean, the girls weren't bad either. I'm not down on girls. Not down on girls. I I would lose a tooth trying to get that slide into home base, you know, uh, up a guy that was three times my size. I, I would get bruises and bumps and scrapes and cuts, and it wasn't for the World Series. It was for a pickup game in the neighborhood because I didn't like losing, and I sure didn't want to be the cause of my team losing. That happened to me one time when we did the, uh, when we, we, in high school, we did the, the, the hurdle relay. I don't, I didn't, I don't even know they do that anymore. It was a, it was a hurdle relay. And I was over in the pole vaulting pit, and I, I was a pole vaulter, and I, you didn't wear your spikes uh, when you pole vaulted because you'd tear up the mat. And so I had just regular tennis shoes on, pole vaulting, and, and they called my name for that hurdle sh uh, shuttle relay. And I ran over real quick because it was like the second call. Somebody said, hey, Rice, get over there quick. They called, like, they're on the final call. You're going to wind up making us lose this thing because you're not there. And so I didn't have time to put my spikes on, and, and I ran over there real quick, and, and it came my turn. And when they handed the baton to me, I took off and I slipped because I didn't have my spikes on. Well, we didn't lose the race. We wound up winning the race, but we, we missed the high school, the high school, uh, what's it called? The, say it again. Record. Thank you. A hard words like that get me sometimes. <laughs> we lost the, missed the school record by just under a second. And you know what? You'd never seen a bunch of winners look more like losers in all their life. We could have been right there had I not slipped. I didn't just cause myself to lose that record. I caused three other guys to lose that record. I don't want to be that guy. I want to win. Call it defeat. Call it a thrashing. Call it being skunked. Call it what you will. I call it losing. And Jonathan wasn't used to losing. Jonathan came from a heritage of people that were anointed by God. Jonathan's father wasn't your average Israelite. He was the king of the Israelites. 
And not just any king, he was the first king of the Israelites. The Bible lets us know that his daddy stood head and shoulders above all the other Israelites. He stood out in a crowd. He was not to be hidden. He was a leader. He was a man's man. And Jonathan was used to going into battle behind a man who had the anointing of the Almighty upon him. And he went into battle knowing that God was with them. He thinks back and he remembers the Israel that won battles, not lost them. He remembered the days when God's anointing was on them, even in what seemed like it was a possible certain defeat. God would bring victory, but those days were now behind them. Daddy no longer had the anointing. God was no longer with him. And their victories were now defeats. Saul's doing things his own way. Jonathan understands that his leader, his father, is no longer seeking advice from godly people. He's chosen to walk away from Samuel. He's chosen to quit listening to Samuel, and he seeks his advice now from witches, from dark places. You better be careful who you're getting your advice from. Just because somebody tells you something that is pleasing for you to hear doesn't mean that it's going to get you where you think it's going to take you. Jonathan knows that his father, who he has followed into battle, has led them astray. But I think as he's sitting there, it comes to his mind that just because the anointing may have left his father does not mean that that God has abandoned him. Amen. I've come to tell somebody today that just because your mama might not serve God or your daddy may have gone off the chain, gone off the deep end, doesn't serve God. Maybe nobody supports you and your family. Maybe nobody loves God. Maybe nobody's serving God. Maybe you go home to a family that is in disarray and dysfunction. Maybe you go home to a a daddy that's a drunk or a mama that runs around. Maybe you go home to all that stuff. But listen to me. Just because there's no anointing on their life does not mean that God cannot anoint you and bring you up if you're willing to climb out of defeat. Nothing can keep you in a valley of defeat but yourself. No mother, no father, no aunt, no uncle, no experience can keep you down. If you're willing to climb out of defeat, your victory is not tied to the success or failure of somebody else. You don't have to fail just because someone you admired or looked up to or followed failed. I've seen entire churches go under because they focused upon the man of God instead of the God of the man. Don't you ever look to me and think, I got all your answers. I bleed when you cut me. I'm as human as the next person is. God has simply allowed me and brought me to a place of leadership in his kingdom. But don't you ever set me up and think that that the pastor writes is God. I am not God. God is God. And I follow him. So if you'll follow me as I follow Christ, we'll be okay. But if I ever steer wrong, you don't follow me into more wrongdoing. You follow God. So all his men are shaking in their shoes. 600 men that are in hiding, trying to recover from loss and not seeing a way out. The Bible tells us they're trembling. 
These guys weren't pansies. They weren't weaklings. They were battle-ready warriors. But they were battle-ready warriors enough to know that they were in a bad place. It's one thing to be brave, and it's another thing to know that you're going to die. That there's no way out of this one. Now, always before, God had been with them, and God, God would walk them uh, with them through battle, and they would have these victories. But, but they were smart enough to know that God wasn't in this. Their fear was not from the battle. Their fear was from the lack of the anointing that they felt was on their leader. They understood that God no longer worked on their behalf. And they're trying to recover. And Saul has acted foolishly. And God has stripped him of the anointing. Amen. It's a dangerous thing to follow someone who has no anointing on their life. It's a dangerous thing. Jonathan knew it and he said, enough. Enough. The one I follow may have lost the anointing, but I still know what God is capable of when he is willing to use a vessel. Jonathan said, follow me, armor bearer. It just might be that God would choose to use us as his vessel for victory. I'm not following my father anymore because my father's not following God anymore. And if the one that you're following ever stops following God, it's time for a departure to take place. Don't you let anything, I don't care how much you admire them, I don't care how well they can speak or preach or how charismatic they might be, if they start going off the chain in some other direction, preaching some other doctrine, you stick to what you know is right. You find somebody that will preach it to you. They may seem to be anointed for a while. Even Saul was anointed for a while, even though he was disobeying. But that anointing will soon be gone. And when the anointing is gone... The miraculous power of God is gone. How does he conquer an enemy that 600 fighting men are afraid to face? Hear me right here. He grabs a, a prayer partner. He says, you know what? I got an idea. You may think I'm crazy. And the prayer partner said, no, you're not crazy. Tell me what your idea is. I, I, he, his armor bearer already is sold out to Jonathan. His armor bearer already trusts him. He explicitly puts his confidence and his faith in Jonathan, more so than I think he does even Jonathan's father. And that's why he's willing to go off with Jonathan on a, on a venture that, is not, that has not been commandeered by, by the king. The king has no knowledge that his son and his son's armor bearer are about ready to take off on their own. He finds himself a partner, a prayer partner who's willing to climb a mountain with him. You know, oftentimes when our problems that we're facing in this life, we ask God to, to fix them for us. Instead of God fixing them for us, he gives us a mountain to climb. Think about it. Oh, there's been occasions when God just miraculously just blesses you with something that you don't even seem to have to put any effort into. But most of the time, for God to get you where he needs you to be in order for the victory to take place in your life, you've got to climb a little mountain. 
You got to put one hand in front of the other. You got to use your strength and your might. And you got to be willing to come up out of that place that you're in because your victory will never be found hiding in the valley with the crowd. Your victory will be found with a prayer partner who's willing to climb with you up the mountain. Who's willing to fight the enemy that you're going to face when you get there. Who believes enough in you and the God that you serve and the anointing that is on you to believe that, hey, it looks crazy. I know this isn't what the, the, the king is calling for us to do, but you know what? Uh, if we're going to sit here and die anyway, we might as well see if God might do something for us. Who believed in you enough to follow you and walk with you up the mountainside to where the battle is raging. You'll die if all you want to do is sit with the unanointed and talk about how hopeless things seem to be. I've been rather frustrated lately with the state of our state. Some of the decisions that are made for us. Some of the mindsets and things that are coming down the pike. And I'll be quite honest with you. If I could take every last single one of you, put you in my pocket, we'd take this church across the river. (laughs) Somebody says, show me. (laughs) It's a little frustrating. And I was speaking that frustration to the Lord the other day, and I said, you know what, God? I said, I, I, I just told him just that. I said, if there's a way to do that, you know. And then God said to me, he said, but who would stay and fight the battle that needs to be fought in your state? Come on. Come on. Wow. If all the good people just run away, if all the good people just leave the place of darkness, then how will the darkness ever comprehend the light? God has placed us in a dark place, maybe, but he's placed us here because we're willing to climb up the side of this mountain and take on this adversary. We're not willing to lay down and suffer defeat. We're willing to take ourselves and climb the mountain right out of defeat. And the way that that's going to take place is more people need to know God. The more people that know God, the more people are going to vote a certain way. They're going to vote morals instead of pocketbooks. And and it ain't even voting for your pocketbook, voting for for the other side either, because they're they're getting in your pocketbooks pretty deep. And I don't mean to get too political here. This is way off of out of my comfort zone for what I typically do. I don't typically even bring that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you that the church has got to be the church. Yes, the world is a dark place. Yes, the world is a sizable adversary. Yes, the world is full of things that are uh, against us and against you. And there's drugs and there's homosexuality and there's all kinds of darkness and there, there's perversion and there's people that that that, that rob banks and, and uh, do all kinds of things and sleep with somebody else's wife and all of these different mess. This world is just totally messed up and full of chaos. But that's not cause for the church to stay down in the valley. That I'm calling for somebody here who's willing to help me climb up the side of this mountain and bring some light, bring some victory. Some people that aren't willing to stay defeated but are willing to reach for victory. 
I'm not satisfied with losing. I'm not satisfied with defeat. I'm going to serve God. I don't care how hard or how difficult it comes. I don't care how dark this world gets. I will let the light shine through us. Praise God. You may be seated today as our music comes. Don't sit with the unanointed. Don't focus on how hopeless everything is. Tell them the answer. The answer is not in repeating how hopeless everything is. The answer, the answer is in telling how great God is. The answer is telling people, climb with me and let's just see what God might be able to do through us. The masses are down in the valley sucking their thumbs and putting salve on their latest injuries. But the, the warriors are climbing up the side of the mountain saying, let's see what God can do. If you can find somebody who's willing to help you climb. If you can find somebody who's willing to carry some armor. It gets heavy sometimes. If you can find someone who's willing to come into total agreement with you and say, I believe in the same thing that you believe in, then you can climb right out of defeat. You don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to remain defeated. You can know what victory feels like. You know, I've been inspired the last two weeks as I've watched this front row come alive right down here. Last week... And there was a power that started right over here in this front section right here. Amen. I saw uh, Sister Lydia began to let the Lord touch and anoint her. And then it spread from one to the other. And before long, all these young ladies were dancing. And the Spirit uh, began to move on them. And then it began to move on others. And God did a great thing. That is how we have our victory. We don't get our victory with weapons and guns. We don't get our victory the same way that the world gets. It's not an atomic reaction that's going to bring victory. It's falling on our knees. It's shouting and worshiping and praising God with all of our being that's going to bring victory. So as a kid, when I finally got tired of losing, I didn't give up. I stood up. It'll have been easy for me to say, you know what? I'm not going to come out and play anymore, anymore ball. I'm going to stay in here play ball on my video games virtual reality is so much easier I I can win with my thumbs I can run really fast with my thumbs it would have been easy for me to just say you know what I'm a loser everybody knows a loser and I know I'm a loser but I didn't give up I stood up I stood up to losing I decided I didn't want to lose anymore. I fought back and I kept pushing myself. With every loss, I'd just get up and I'd try again. We played football in the Robinson Yard one time and I was the littlest guy out there. Man, that knee came back and smacked me square in the nose so hard. And you know what I did? I got up and said, oh, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. I wiped the blood off my face. I said, let's go. (laughs) Didn't know I had it in me, did you? That's the way you ought to treat your adversary, the devil. Hey, you may get knocked down. You might get kicked in the teeth every once in a while. And you got one or two choices. You can just give up and say, I guess I'm going to lose this. Or you can stand up and say, is that all you got? Uh 
You think you beat me? You think you defeated me? It's going to take a whole lot more than that to knock me out of this game. And at the end of the day, I may not be the biggest, but I'm still standing when it's over. I kept trying again until I wasn't so small. Kept trying over and over again until I didn't lose quite so much. Our town had something called the Junior Olympics. You ran, you, you, you did all these different courses. And, and I went with my, my buddy, Ronnie. We went to that, and I was like, ain't no way I'm going to win this, but I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be out there. You know, we showed up, and the whole town was there. We were these little rural kids, you know, that were coming from out from the little rural school and into the, the, big, the big city of 5,000 people, you know. And uh, it was out the high school track, and they had all of us come out there, and there were hundreds of people that were actually out there. The bleachers were full, and they had the whole thing set up, and there were all kinds of different running and uh, different competitions, rope climbing and all this stuff that was taking place. And, and I showed up out there, man, I, I tell you, I got to admit, I was a little bit intimidated. You had to know my parents to know. All those other kids that came out, man, they had their Nike shoes on with their cleats and they were, they were styling, profiling in their 80s short shorts and, and stuff like that. You know, it wasn't even the 80s. Yeah, it was, early 80s. I was about 14 years old, 13, 14 years old. They had their Nike joggers on. They'd, they'd pull their stuff off and they'd line up on the track and they looked awesome. And here comes this Pentecostal kid in his kids and his dime torch tennis shoes and, and his blue jeans. I'm out there walking around with my t-shirt, my blue jeans, and my dime store tennis shoes uh, uh, with all the other kids and their Nike and their Puma and all the other things that were popular then. And I looked around and I said, man, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> you know what I found out? That for a kid that lost a lot, if you keep getting back up, you learn a few things. And I'll tell you what I found out. I found out that a kid in dime store tennis shoes, in blue jeans and a t-shirt could outrun, outbalance, outclimb, outshoot all the other kids in their fancy tennis shoes and their cool looking outfits. And I walked away from there with the, I won it all. You are looking at the 1981 Junior Olympics champion of Pinckneyville, Illinois. Come on, I think you can do better than that. Come on, you're, you're back in a winner. You know what I told my kid? Especially Landon, because he had a little bit of a tough time losing, didn't he, back then? He didn't even like to lose a hot potato. We got a video that I will blackmail him with one of these days of him playing hot potato at, at, a, at, a, at a birthday uh, game, and he swears up and down. I didn't have it. I'd, I'd given it to her. I, you know, he did not like to lose. Throwing it, throwing that three-pound potato at his cousin, who he loved, just to get it out of his lap. Should have brought it. The video, not the potato. He didn't like to lose, but what I told him was, here, there is, you really only lose if you don't learn anything from losing. But if you let losing guide you, if you let losing motivate you to be better, 
there will come a time when you no longer find yourself in the loser's bracket. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they climbed to the top of the hill and all they needed was that signal from God. Hey, they told us, come on up, that they're going to show us a thing or two, but they don't know who we bring with us. It's not just you and me. Jonathan went up and he began to swipe them down. And his armor bearer followed right in behind, the Bible says. And he began to to take out the one that Jonathan missed. And between the two of them, it didn't take 600. It took two with God to take care of business. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you don't have to have a mat. Not everybody in your school has to understand you or back you or believe in what you believe in. But if you can find somebody sitting next to you that will believe in the journey that you're on, if you can find a prayer partner who you can pray with, and as you climb that journey, I'm telling you, you don't have to stay in a valley of defeat with a bunch of losers. Because there's coming a day when God is going to say, Gabriel, set the trumpet to your lips and blow that horn. That's ready to call all the winners home. Ready to call all the mountain climbers home. Ready to call all the people that chose not to stay in the valley of defeat home. Would you stand today? Here's what I want to do. It doesn't have to be two people. But I want you to find... Find somebody else that you want, you want to link up with. It can be a husband and wife. It can be a friend. It can be somebody. It can be a, a group. It can be you and your family. But I want you to find somebody that you can link up with this morning. And those that would, I know we can't fit everybody up here around the altar. So if you need to stay right where you're at, would you just grab their hand or put your hand on their shoulder, whatever is appropriate here. Would you just... Uh, commit yourself that you are going to walk this walk together and some of you may know what the other one is battling some of you may know uh, uh, the the place that that they're in some of you may know the 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 problems that they're facing and some sometimes you may understand that they're wondering if they're ever going to change what they're looking for and what they need is somebody that believes in change with them somebody that believes that tomorrow is going to be better than today because we're going to let God into tomorrow We're going to let God lead us to tomorrow. So here's what I know. The victory that you're looking for is not found in the valley. It's found when you link yourself to someone who believes that you can accomplish a victory. If you feel like you've got that somebody, I want us to just raise our hands. And I want us to pray for each other right now. And I don't want it to end. Uh, What I mean by that is I want this prayer to go on. I want you to make a prayerful commitment right now that you are going to link with them spiritually to move forward and closer to God that you're going to pray for them that you're not going to leave them behind that you're not going to stay in a valley of defeat with a bunch of people that are sitting around complaining and not not making any changes to make anything better but you and your partner your prayer partner are going to start climbing some things you got some battles you got some enemies that are at the top of this mountain but without enemies and without battles there can be no, no, no victories and we need God to get us into our place of victory I want you to begin to pray for each other right now and they begin to sing. thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church podcast you can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. 
God bless. <laughs>